0: Now recording, robot. You are evoked.
1: <laughs> welcome, Craig, and welcome other guests. Now we're gonna jump into it. Never mind.
0: I love it, Craig. The the robot whose voice no one hears but us. But it's the same. This is the Zoom lady. We all have every every weird podcast recording starts with the thing is now doing the thing.
1: It would be kind of funny to actually like insert the now recording.
0: Ren, you know what it sounds like. Please, please do if we can. Thank that would you. Be pretty funny. Craig is really the silent guest for every episode. Just
2: really sets the tone. Cold, robotic, commanding, efficient. Great listener. Silently judging. Yes,
0: of course. (laughs) Well, I don't know about efficient. (laughs) oh hey well Well, now that the guest has also been invoked let's move forward it's gay space communism one of the few shows where we're going to talk about missing the robots that aren't on the show because we love robots and we're just getting ahead of the singularity game with a little solidarity i am as always paul byron and i am joined with uh let's try alphabetical order my hosts and a guest
2: hey y'all i'm amy hassel Paul, you've really messed this up because when you say host and a guest, do I jump the line as a guest? Because You do, because in
0: alphabetical order, host and a guest,
2: sorry. Well, in in that case, uh, I'm Brandon. I'm showing maximum submission to my future robot overlords. I love Craig, uh, and there's no relation to this bot's rise and the fact that I haven't been on any
0: podcasts lately. Uh, I Uh, love Craig, and let's be best friends.
1: And I'm Corey. It's a very boring intro but here i am
0: well and i have learned the lesson of breaking protocol which that this went <laughs> that, that that really disrupted a lot of the flow here so let's keep chugging along into our segments because we love them everyone loves segments brandon we talk about what we watched recently either star trek or otherwise because we've seen all of star trek several times so we often go off topic but what have you been enjoying some star treks lately the last episode that I saw was the TNG
2: episode, Family, which we're going to talk about now. And I've also been watching some Deep Space Nine episodes, but I think we're going to be talking about those at a later time. So I don't want to spoil any of my thoughts on them.
0: Well, let's talk. Let's tease it out a little. Where, where, oh, are, you in the, where are you in the season? Like, just, just you just jumping around general...
1: or did you just start? Because I'm actually plowing through a DS9 rewatch myself right now.
2: I'm jumping around. I think I saw In the Pale Moonlight recently... Ooh, Ooh, yeah.
1: One of the best.
2: And um, I'm really watching uh, The Orville, which is just a much better show. I'm waiting for season three of that, you know how that goes. In the other, In the other sci-fi world, I haven't watched any really good sci-fi movies aside from Dune, which was very slow. It was an intentional slowness, you know? You don't eat a pot roast and say, oh, this took too long to make. You're eating a pot roast. You understand that it has to sit there for eight hours in order for you to eat it, and that's just kind of what you're buying into. So it's Dune. I'm a slow cooker. It's uh, very long panning shots, very slow scenic scenes and reaction shots and people staring at each other with
0: extreme intent. A lot and, of uh, internal monologuing, but not as yeah. it's not made external like in Dune, like in the David Lynch variant. We,
1: we are going to do like a whole like episode dedicated to Dune. So you should come back for that one, Brandon, because I actually just recently watched the David Lynch version myself for the first time in like 25 years. And I got some I got some thoughts about that.
0: I think that Denis Villeneuve did. I think having watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine, what I have come to expect from him now is a series of very, very pretty pictures. And mm-hmm. oh my God, he delivered. And I, I mean, I think he did. They did this, did justice to the story. I don't like that he cut the Mentats, but they're in there. But they don't talk about it as much. They don't do the little speech, and I'm sad. But, but yeah, I like that as well. I thought that was pretty. And yeah, you're definitely welcome to come talk about the debacle of bad taste that represents the David Lynch version.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll hang out
0: and do all that.
2: Let's. And we can talk about
0: carpets in space a different time, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, was it up? Yeah. The will, the Star Trek communist was just tweeting about the need for a carpeted future. Yeah, I uh, think yeah, I agree.
1: As long as they're kept clean, because carpet is notorious. Like, no matter how much you vacuum or power wash it, it just always ends up getting stained and nasty after a period of time. And you imagine how much they run around in a spaceship. Like, that's got to be hard to keep that clean.
0: It's a light color for the high traffic areas. Yeah, cleaning carpets is serious drudgery, too. Yes, exactly. So, uh, uh, anything else on the Crafton's log? Y'all, uh, Amy and Corey, you all been enjoying anything good of late?
1: Yeah, I started um, powering back through my favorite Trek, DS9, in part because I knew we were going to be bringing some guests like Brandon to talk about some of those episodes again. Also, just because I had watched all the Trek and um, wanted something else to watch and decided to uh, revisit DS9. Time to watch some more of
0: the Trek, sure exactly because i still love it
1: and well and also because i am officially at least gonna have to wait a few more months before i can start watching discovery again because fuck you paramount but there's yeah that's officially at least on record i'll have to wait we'll see but uh i got that going on and then i did watch the the david lynch version of dune recently because i want to watch the new one but i you know it had been so long since i watched the old one and i honestly i i know that it's like it's everybody like everybody loves dune it's like uh like sci-fi worship but i had the hardest damn time following the story i really did so i'm hoping that the newer version is uh easier to follow
0: the new one takes as long a time to tell half as much story which really helps because they're like david okay. Lynch did notoriously want to make that movie like six hours long which you kind of need because there's a lot yeah like, and here's a voiceover that explains 200 years of galactic history and you're like oh okay i yeah i guess there's nowhere to drop that in the dialogue is there but
1: Right. But even if you, like, take all those monologues, like, I mean, even if you're, like, taking notes and using it as, like, a card to reference as you go, it's still hard to follow.
0: No, no. it's it's it's. He wanted his name taken off of it, so.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what I've been watching is Deep Space Nine and Dune.
0: A well-upholstered future again. I've
3: been a terrible nerd lately, honestly. I've been, like... I've been working outdoors. uh, It's been kind of hard lately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Getting direct and, uh, sunlight, lifting things. Every time apart. I lay down, I just kind of go to sleep. So, or sit down, or lay down, or watch something, I just kind of go to sleep. So, I don't know. I've been listening to um, "Ain't I a Woman" on uh, Audible while I water the trees at work, <laughs> which has been an experience.
1: See, I don't think that makes you a terrible nerd. I think that just makes you a different kind of nerd. Like you and Keiko would get along great.
0: I mean, I, I reject the sort of repurposing of nerd to refer to any number of vagaries from owns a lot of dolls to likes a TV show to knows a bunch about math. And I really think we need to bring back the dork, geek, nerd, dweeb distinction or something oh, some yeah. sort of spectrum of this kind for this exact purpose.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Because I would consider myself more of a geek than a nerd, I think
0: see and this is all insanely fuzzy it has no this is while I love it it is part of whoa look at that it's a segue a family of concepts and much like concepts Ah! we all have families that's not a that's a terrible segue but that is what we (laughs) heard I mean like so in the spirit of our recent episode that Star Trek is a show about feelings Star Trek is also a show about family and sort of the way we think of family and, and sort of what we would like to talk about I hope is the way that that is shaped by the world we live in and the ideals it lives up to because not only is it a show about Star Trek it's a show about leftist thinking so yeah I mean sort of the family as envisioned by Star Trek and as is influenced by both the production itself and just the lack of capital or sort of how how you structure a family relation both over distance and in a different kind of context and like the distance is really huge so we can start there because we're all doing that now right like everyone has lived their last year and a half over zoom calls
1: Yeah, I've been living this reality for a really long time. So long time listeners will know that I'm that I live overseas. And I've been living overseas for 17 years. Of course, I go back to the US for regular visits. But I have not seen my family in two and a half years because of this pandemic. And you know, my dad passed away a few months ago, and I still have not been able to go home and and visit my mom, um, because the pandemic continues. So
0: and in case you're listening to this later, this is the COVID nineteen pandemic and not the right. next pandemic.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, I can't I can't fall into the mistake of calling it like the you know, the Great War. The
0: Great War, and yeah. Like <laughs> the, oh, it's the pandemic to end all pandemic. Yeah, okay, sure. Right. We didn't just yeah. lose to the tutorial level. Yeah, this is the one you
3: probably know as um Panny Zero. <laughs> the one where we all noticed nothing worked. Brandon, are you a nerd, geek, etc? Are you a lumper or a splitter on this issue?
2: I, I, I really am usually the least nerdy person in the group of nerds and so I that checks out. Just, I just scoff whenever these discussions happen. I don't believe in categorizing people and what I'll tell you is just as somebody that grew up in Atlanta you'll find people just have their own private hobbies and you don't really know what people are into based on just looking at them at first glance. I've known like too many thugs that like Dragon Ball Z. I remember hanging out. I was really good friends with the, the captain of the high school football team and um we hung out like not all the time because we weren't in the same social circles because I was like an artist and he was on the football team but however he worked at Dairy Queen and the Dairy Queen was by my house so when I was going out and would want some to eat you know I would go to the Dairy Queen and he would be there and he loved singing and you wouldn't know this at school because he just didn't act like that but if you were like hanging out with him and you know in the back of the Dairy Queen he always had some 90s love song that he wanted to to dance to and he was a terrible singer which is why he didn't do it in school uh but Aww. he was like man you know i don't i'm not a good singer but man if i could sing i would sing all day it would be the only thing i would do and i think about that story all the time when thinking about like what people are and how to put them in boxes because the box that you put somebody in by looking at them might not be the box that they actually fit in and it might not even be the box
0: that they want to be in yeah. um, you know oh homie <laughs> tell me about it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, so.
0: except for except for the guy in the ahigao hentai, hentai hoodie, that person is letting you know exactly. Oh, that what that they're like, really no, is no, I, it's all he on the does. surface. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but exceptions to prove the rule. Yeah, I've started wearing like actual trans flag fucking eyeshadow. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> See if that does anything. <laughs> It's going to get your fine motor control down pat for sure one way or another doing the striping on your eye. Uh, Yeah, like you're going to poke yourself in the eye if you're not careful. Please be careful. Eye makeup always seems dangerous to me. But I don't put. I don't like contacts either. Like you don't wake up every morning and touch your eyeball. It seems. It does seem
1: like. I remember the first time I had to put contacts in. That does seem like. Yeah, it seems like. A I mean, weird I'm sure you activity. get over
0: it. We get over all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I was shocked at how fast I got
3: used to applying all sorts of weird things to my eyelids and holding them open while I did it. I thought it would take a lot longer. <laughs>
0: This is among the weird soft skills that are really only passed down they're passed down orally and in person and through families. so it's a very weird mm-hmm. that situation will dictate a lot of what you end up getting a hold of and how your life is at least in the beginning, which is yeah, how quickly you escape that or. Yeah, my
3: early transition suffered because my mother never really messed around with makeup. so yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: nobody in my say. family does does good with makeup either. I had to learn how to do it myself.
0: Brandon, you have any makeup tips for the crew? <laughs>
2: <laughs> about, about makeup advice? I mean, no, no,
0: no. Anything. I mean, no. Like, uh, it, well, uh, it's sort of just the way that these kind of... Those things you have to learn or are most traditionally taught through the family, right? That anything makeup is wine, but like cooking and things like that. Thoughts on these ideas? Yeah.
2: Oh, man. My, I've just so many of my skills i've just learned on my own just because my family was just a train wreck and we didn't always have like time to do stuff so many basic things in my life i've just had to observe other people and pick them up for myself my family was really good at going to church and screaming at each other and being sad Uh, those were our main talents and so basically everything else i you know pick up a book and study it
0: and figure it out yourself I mean, the let speaks to the sort of oddity of how we deal with that, right? There are just skills. You, you like home ec. We don't do that school. They don't teach people how to just like run a household, which is a job, right? The 40 hour week is predicated on someone being at home, doing a whole other job of maintaining your house. And that's something we used yeah. to teach in school. Now we don't. Uh, for budgetary and also sexism reasons. You shovel all the boys <laughs> to shop. You shovel all the girls to home ec. But once you say, hey, you have to mix these, you are like, you know, why don't we just not do this anymore?
2: <laughs> uh, I, you probably. I mean, honestly, it really sucks that our school systems are so just like everything else in the country is bu- is so bureaucratic that it's like 40 years behind what a not a sensible group of people would have been like oh we should change this but there are too many layers of voting that you've got to go through to change anything but like the economy that we're raising kids in in school is so different from the actual economy that they have to participate in now and the curriculum is just like are we giving people the tools to cope with the world as it is now and certainly not the tools to cope with it as it is becoming your parents have got to kind of teach you how to cook and honestly like networking and social skills and those Mm -hmm. things are becoming more and more important Um, the ability to tell something that's true from something that's false is a skill that's honestly becoming more and more valuable and is being taught less and less
1: well then we're completely hosed because we got a whole generation of kids entering the workforce right now that have been raised by Gen Xers like me that have no social skills. So we're we're fucked.
3: Well and um I have to say cuz I do a little child care here and there and what I think see during um Penny Zero is uh families are getting closer closer together and like sort of relearning to have a have a private language kind of which is great on one side but i do think if we ever get to reintegrate it's going to be harder for kids that did a lot of growing up during these years yeah. because um they're not going to be used to the kind of indifference our society offers and it's going to be tough it's going to be a tough adjustment
1: I will say that like the pandemic has, we've we've had to learn how to be apart from people that we care about, not just our blood family, but the family that we choose, our friends. We've had to learn how to be apart from people throughout this pandemic. But I mean, that's that's what they cope with in Starfleet, and, and I think this experience has kind of realigned a lot of people's priorities. As much as there is still a lot of political fighting that happens, and especially in families like mine, where half of us are, half my family are like big Trumpers, and the the other half are not. <laughs> I think it, it's the the experience of being forced. To separate has sort of realigned the way that we engage with each other, but I don't know. Like we compare a lot of times, like what happens in in Star Trek with military families. You know, people that get sent on deployment now, uh, and family either the whole family may be deployed. You might have your kids on a floating weapons platform, as we've talked about the Enterprise, or you may be on a on a what's supposed to be a short range mission and wind up thrown into the Delta Quadrant and and be completely separated from your family for the foreseeable future. But either way, you're spending a lot of time separated from your families. And And learning how to navigate that, I don't know, it's just really hard to see, like, you think about the distance that people travel in Star Trek, it's got to be like, when, when you leave Earth, like you're just departing that person's life forever, except that you occasionally get to send them a letter. It's weird. I don't, I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, this has always been a part of getting in boats, right? And just in general, and long and long distance travel, and just the way that you've gone too far in which directions, or not too far, but yeah. Once you're outside that world in general, that evokes a whole set of challenges, leaving the family unit and the people that you know, that you've known all your life. I don't know. And I think Star Trek is, at least as we've, we've discussed a lot, that is the primary mechanisms of character growth, development, and plot are just cultural misunderstandings. And as people try and reintegrate into new families old families being back in the world it'll be exciting to see how we do it hey so um here's a funny question
3: that might get it get it some family stuff um
0: bonus points if it also gets it some star trek stuff well um
3: i guess it does i've always wanted the geordie star trek shaver but um
0: who taught y'all to shave my stepfather gave me a styptic pencil and said, "Good luck." No, I, I mean I was shown how to do it, but yeah, yeah. Then they was given a styptic pencil, which, if you have never used, they hurt like a motherfucker. Uh, it just clots your blood instantly; it just fills it in with a little antiseptic substance, and then I was and I was very upset about that.
2: Yeah, I was also tortured by my stepfather. He, uh, splashed some really harsh shit on my shit, and just,
0: now. if you want to do this
2: again, like, and he used like a, he did like a, you're doing a haircut and you're balancing Oh, like the clippers, thing. or? No, yeah, he used clippers, and he used like a really hot little thing to like sear the, you know, do the trim. And I had never done that before, he gave me no warning, it was just like, yeah, here's how to do I've it. I've never
0: done that at all. That's I'd funny.
2: done that like in the past at a barber, and I was like, oh yeah, this is not a problem. And I don't know whether he did it on purpose, because he was like, oh yeah, are you sure? And then and he did it and i don't know what the hell he did to it it was super goddamn hot i was like oh what the hell man and uh of course i got in trouble for saying what the hell but anyway yeah, my 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 stepdad was a very uh sink or swim type guy and uh he just uh after that we did that a couple times then he gave me the thing and was just like you're it out son and that was that it was
0: <laughs> zorge that's yeah my, that. i
2: i was and, and my stepdad was also one of those guys that took a lot of pride in being old-fashioned and he had the story about how his dad threw him in the lake when he was a kid i don't know why everybody's stepdad the, all of their dads threw them in a lake as a kid but like every stepdad and uncle has that same story yep. uh, yeah
1: you need to learn how to swim let me traumatize you and yeah
0: <laughs> uh, we used to be allowed to beat you you know my dad like yeah. that's not good why are you like, like, yeah. like whoa like Hey, listen,
2: maybe that works because, I don't know, there are not a lot of people in jail for throwing their kids in the in the river. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe those kids get lost and they just don't come back and they just don't get reported <laughs> on. I don't
0: know. It also used to be that if a person just disappeared, nobody cared. Yeah, or you, you could just leave town and- like, I'm Cincinnati Dave now. And they're like, cool, Cincinnati Dave, do you have ID? And they're like, no, because you don't need, it's 1973.
1: Yeah, you could just apply for some.
0: I don't know when I was born. You tell me. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Corey?
1: Well, when did, who taught me how to shave? Yeah. Yeah, Funny story about that. Nobody. Uh, I just started borrowing my brother's razor one day and after like a few weeks. Yes. My mom let me know that, Hey, when you do that, it makes problems for him. So here's a, here's a razor for yourself. And that's how I learned.
2: (laughs) Did you start shaving thinking of social pressure? Like, or was it just, were you looking at yourself like, Oh boy, it's about that time.
1: You know what? That was a really weird point in my life. I definitely had a lot of body dysmorphia issues. Then it was like seventh grade. Um, We had just moved. We like, I grew up in Germany and then we moved to this post out on a little tiny island in the Pacific. And so like seventh grade is just an awful, awful time for teenage girls in particular. Just awful. Teenage girls are the worst, especially like 13 year old range, just the worst. And I, so I was already having a tough time and you know and you change like radically change your environment on top of that and then like all of a sudden like overnight I got boobs and like I went from like 105 pounds to 120 pounds but it was all boobs But I was just like, oh, my God, I'm 120 pounds. Like, I'm like, I'm awful. And like, I just hated everything about myself. I like went through this whole anorexic phase. I was working out compulsively. Like, I was just doing everything because I hated everything about how I looked. Which
0: is wild. Because if if you said like, oh, yeah, no, she's 10% boobs. Almost (laughs) everyone you could think of like, hell, yeah, that's, yeah, this is of interest to me. Which is, Yeah.
1: 14 year old me did not feel that way.
0: Sure. And yeah, I don't feel that way about 14 year old anyone. But that being said, it's just an odd ratio to be complaining about in the just in that way, which but yeah, that's how bodies work. They're weird. You feel weird about it.
2: Yeah, I can really tell you. I think just everybody, and you know, I've dated a wide variety of people. And all of them are talking about they've got some deep insecurity about just any random part. Like, and things that, you know, you wouldn't care about or think about yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, you date a tall girl. Oh, I was so tall. I hated it. You date a short girl. Oh, I was so short. I hated it. Yeah. You date, it turns oh,
0: out everyone no just hates girl. being an adolescent because you learn about hating yourself then. Yeah, exactly. The time <laughs> yeah. You really encounter it.
3: It's odd you mention height, though, Brandon. Um, There's actually a statistical thing you can do that I used to do with my students, where if you do a survey where you ask people how tall are you and how tall would you like to be, and then have them supply their gender, you get a very interesting bifurcation. People that identify as men all want to be taller. People that identify as women cluster at 5'8". If they're taller than 5'8", they want to be shorter. If they're shorter than 5'8", they want to be taller interesting and this to me represents the kind of like difference in pressures mask versus Mm. femme right yeah it's the like you know everything at 11 all the time or knife edge you know walk you know it's one or the other so anyway i don't know uh it's
2: just funny you mentioned that (laughs) yes that's very fascinating actually
1: I, you know, I will just say this, uh, just for the record, and we talked about this a little bit in our body positivity episode. If y'all haven't listened to that, you should go back and and check it out. It was um, the beautiful bag of mostly water episode. But I have often, as I've gotten older and really come to appreciate just being happy with myself as a human being, you know, then I look back on all those years that I lost being unhappy with how I looked and feeling insufficient. And I just, I feel like I just, I, I grieve because I lost so much happiness that I could have had, and that's seriously—it's the, 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 a trope that when you turn 40, that you just stop giving a shit what people think about you. But it's real. Like, it's—it's like it's one of the best gifts in the world is that you just wake up one day when you hit your 40s and you're like, you know what? I actually don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me, and it's great
0: so star trek families which ones do we think work which ones are clearly stupid well, i'll start kirk had a kid that the lady hid from him for like 30 years and then like kind of was also like talked a bunch of shit about kirk too in the yeah. meantime which was that's a weird fa- that's a weird way to do a family i don't know yeah that's just always been a very strange way to deal with that for me to give him just like oh he's got a kid now in a motion picture when they just give him a kid for a whole movie and then right. throw him in a hole and it's like just to give kirk a little bit of paternal depth or make him you know fatherly or in uh in two rather in uh wrath of con the kid yes so his ex-lover in the genesis project and all that but i do like how bachelorific the captains generally are up to of course cisco who's still bachelorific for the most part but a lot more familial and dad-like but yeah picard too doesn't deal well with children it's great i appreciate that
1: well, that's the interesting thing about Picard, because you you know, Brandon, you talked about how you just recently watched the episode "Family." There's like several different family dynamics that play out in that episode of TNG, and and the the centerpiece, of course, is Picard going home to his village. And this is where I like I really think think about the impact of families being separated by entire solar systems. You know, that his brother was a little bit of a technophobe, like just not phobe, like he didn't he wasn't afraid of technology, but he didn't like technology. He was one of those, you know, oh, I like food tastes better when you grow it yourself or you don't get it from a replicator. Like one of those kind of people running their vineyard back at the house. And Picard hadn't been home for a really long time. And his brother was like really very hostile towards him about that and almost didn't want him interacting with his son, with Picard's nephew, because he didn't want him filling his his kid's head with ideas of running off and gallivanting about the galaxy. But in the end, he ends up...
0: getting made into a cyborg and then doing a genocide. Seems at least a fair concern. That's a fair yeah. concern,
1: yes. But, you know, just like that tension.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he barely knew what was going on there. I mean, he had to get filled in the detail. Yeah. What really stood out to me, and this isn't necessarily particular to, to Picard's character arc or whatever, just anybody, when you're doing anything, you're just drowning all the time because anything, anywhere that you aren't is going on without you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, even you can be in space and your life at home is going on without you and your absence is there. Right. You know, you can be on a podcast network and someone else is doing like 50 episodes of a show and you're not on it and uh. your absence is there. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's And and how things evolve when you're not there is always interesting and it applies double when it applies to your relatives, especially when it's people that you grew up with and you've spent a lot of time with and you feel like you know them or have got Gotten to know them and after a year or a year and a half or a couple of years it's in some ways they're exactly the same and I think Picard and Robert you know the end of the episode it's like yeah we just do this all the time in a lot of ways and our relationship hasn't changed in a lot of ways but on the surface I mean you're not there relationships change and feelings change and the intensity yeah. of them and there's not always anything that you can do about it because you've got your own life and so do they
1: Yeah, like, so for me, going to work overseas, when I first went overseas in 2004, I don't know, it was like maybe, maybe like seven or eight years after that, at some point, my sister was just going through a phase where she was really hurt and upset that I had been away for so long. And, you know, for the first couple of years, like a lot of people kept asking me, like, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? And eventually they stopped asking that. But my sister went through this phase where she was just really upset because I was missing out on my niece growing up. I was missing out on my nephew growing up. I have two nephews now one who I've, I've only seen in person like twice because of this stupid pandemic. But she told me that she had confided in my mom that she was really hurt that I was away all the time. And my mom told her and this hit me hard. <laughs> my mom told her I knew when she took that job overseas that she was never coming back. And I was like, Oh, shit. <laughs> and I, I I feel like that's how that's how Starfleet families have to feel like, you know, even if they go on missions, and they come back, like, you're talking about people that are traveling like whole galaxies and yeah warp is, is the thing and but still like i don't know I, I i think that the separation feels a lot bigger than what is actually presented in the context of the show and and then you've got like star trek families where people are on different ships in different parts of the galaxy like uh think about geordie's family like both of his parents were starfleet officers in different ships and he was on a different ship himself and the guilt that he felt when his mom went missing i mean that's tough Just hearing that my mom felt that way, I was like, oh, whew.
0: I mean, I wouldn't take it so rough. Uh, just to speak to my personal history, both of my grandmothers were from rural Georgia. See, and they got me this mid-Atlantic nothing accent as a prize because they didn't care for it that much there. And they both married Air Force dudes and said, get me the fuck out of here. And they right. did, right? One, depending on the way that that worked out. But yeah, like as they both said, okay, cool. We don't live in meh and er, Georgia any any longer. And with good reason. I've been back there. It's not fucking awesome i mean right the family reunion is not great and i i don't know how progressive one half of my grandmothers i know were extremely progressive for the time at very least and so living out there was definitely not going to make them happier and better and i think you can see that i think people who live like i mean depending on where you live and where you feel like it is you're like oh no this kid can't fucking hack it here they're not gonna yep they're out they're gone they're definitely gonna bail because they nope they're like they live in dipshit indiana and love to dance yeah we got to get them to some kind of state university or Somewhere with an auditorium. I don't know. Dipshit, Indiana. Oh, and that manifests in all sorts of ways, right? But I, I just picked that example out of the air.
1: I wish there really was a town called Dipshit, Indiana.
0: Oh, that rings a bell for my rural upbringing. Donate to our Patreon. We are trying to get enough funds to buy an abandoned town in Indiana to rename as Dipshit, Indiana and start a leftist Star Trek oriented commune.
1: I tell you what, if we do get a town, if we do get our own town, Dipshit, Indiana, for that, I will move back to the U.S.
0: See, it's all about being able to set your price that's good for Rangi logic folks and this
2: doesn't have to be a big city i mean it can be just three sticks of mud uh and it, as long as there's a city hall where we can pass proclamations and stand a- above our domain i think that's good post enough office. for all of
3: us you gotta have a post office i was gonna for a post, post
0: office in running water but i like your style i like the the emphasis on pomp that's my kind of <laughs> wi-fi
1: we need
2: wi-fi Oh, got it. Yeah. Listen, there's got to be enough land to have like, you know, a content center. You've got to have some internet connection there because otherwise there's no point in doing any of it unless you can say live from dipshit Indiana.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Streaming 24 hours a day. I don't know. What do we have to? Oh, shit. Yeah. Tractor. Get on that. (laughs) Shit. I'll do like a 12 hour show where I just wander around my garden and talk about it.
1: I would watch that legitimately.
0: <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to be bigger than Mr. Beast or whichever. I mean, Critical Role, any of the streams, really. Uh, let's move this forward. This brings
3: me back to my idea about um, asthma gardening.
0: Just the sound of the snips cutting the flowers.
3: Well, yeah, you just you just have the mic real close and you're just like, okay. So I'm just going to give this plant just a little bit of water. just Just a little bit. Okay now we're going to move on to the next one okay this one needs to all right so you
0: need to stop right now we'll put this on the page that's that's patreon content we'll get we'll need to set that up soon because wow not a good idea um so star trek families right you're thrown either you're thrown across the galaxy you're thrown i mean just like all over the place in terms of why you might be disparate from your family but also it impacts family structure let's have some fun example mean we sort of replicate the nuclear family which is not a traditional unit of raising children or people, for the most part, but across space and time. But I think that's because it's TV. But you do have a lot of. I mean, let's talk about Rom and Quark and Nog for a minute here as a fantastic family dynamic and the very strange sort of yeah. single father. Yeah, like this. The show is full of single fathers. It's it, Deep Space Nine is good for that, if nothing else. It's good for a lot. But yeah, this. Was...
1: That's true, man. Warf Cisco, Rom. Yeah, a lot of single dads.
3: Warp is a single quote-unquote father.
1: Well, no, okay, let's talk about my man war for a minute. Like, we all agree, like, the, he leaves some things to be desired in the warm and fuzzy parenting department, but you talk about a guy that got a shit start in life, and his whole family was slaughtered in a battle, or, or at least he thought they were, so I think one of them ended up, well, his brother, of course, ended up being um, they alive. They
0: read it a few times to make...
1: They the did, point. but, you know, but for, as, as far as he knew, his whole family was slaughtered, and then he was raised by humans on Earth is part of a, a blended family because they had a, he had a, a human brother, uh, adopted brother who uh, he had a lot of conflicts with, but also had like a very loving close relationship with growing up that um, we, we meet him in, in TNG. And then, you know, he ends up having, he takes family responsibilities very seriously. That's why after he mates with Kalar, he wants to go ahead and and like make it official. And she's like, nah, I'm good. And then she goes off and has a kid and doesn't freaking tell him. And then she shows up and she's like, Hey, here's a three-year-old. Okay. I'm going to die now. Bye. I'm like that's like come on man like he was not prepared for that in any way he had no idea that he had a kid and he was like really thrown into the deep end with that and no and then he discovers that he's got a brother he didn't know about and you know and then he gives his brother a lobotomy but those are other problems
0: it does speak to the ease with which, in the Star Trek future, a single mother can just have and raise a child and continue to live her life without any other assistance and input. Which yep. I think, I mean, let's try on trying to suss out some of the more appealing utopian aspects of Star Trek while we discuss broken family relationships and weird, weird. There's a lot of a uh, I had a kid and didn't tell you because he got one of those in Voyager also.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think with all the things that were stacked up against him, I think Worf can be forgiven for some of that. And and also there's a it might even be the same episode. Is it the same episode Brandon Family where he his parents come onto the ship? I know it's an episode of TNG.
2: Yeah, that's that's the one his parents come onto the ship and uh Yeah. He's he's gotten a disaccommodation and he's feeling just very ashamed of himself um, and of course is trying to be stoic about it and his parents are very enthusiastic to be hanging out with their big shot son and they're yeah. going through yeah I mean
1: he's and he has like a very like tender relationship with his parents he loves them very much his uh, his adoptive parents and I think that I don't know it just he he went through a lot he went through a, a ton of trauma as a kid and never really had a chance to properly adjust. Us to that. And I think with everything he had stacked against him, I think we have to give him some, uh, some space for uh, his lacking in parenting skills. Although it's not a complete excuse.
2: Yeah, and I, I, you know, the parents also mentioned that during the episode is just, you know, there aren't other clean-ons to lean on for this this kind of thing, and he had to make his own cultural whatever. He kind of had to make those determinations of where he fit into the culture for himself, and it wasn't really something that his parents could really do for him besides continue to give him that kind of support to lean on, and him being somebody that didn't want to be seen doing it, it made for an interesting dynamic through the episode.
1: Which it kind of makes sense that he would end up choosing a career because he was the first Klingon in Starfleet. You know, you would think uh, somebody that grows up as kind of like a fish out of water, you know, that he would uh, choose a career like that where he's the kind of the lone wolf fighting his way through being the first to do something like that. It, It makes sense
0: and ultimately also probably the best place to not get looked at like a goon everywhere you go. I'm sure people try and be chill about it on Earth, but yeah, well, yeah. not I mean like there's not that that is a mid Klingon war. It's pretty reasonable that like I'm sorry, what why who who who's this? And that's, you know, upsetting, but you at least Yeah, if you're yeah. if
2: you're on Earth, you're being looked at like a space alien. If you're working with other Klingons, you're looking like a human, you know, this mm-hmm. is normal cultural stuff so this was somewhere where he could be his own unique thing and kind of had to be by default and he could kind of again kind of define he had more room to define himself which is kind of ironic because
0: it's a navy yeah yeah. when
2: you look at his character in retrospect you can say you know it was important for him to have room to define himself but also he's also somebody that is very intense about living up to this definition that and as you know you get more familiar with the characters. Kind of his own
0: definition that that he's just kind of assigned to his culture.
1: Dare I say it? He's trying to live up to a social construct,
0: but one that Klingons don't live up to, too, right? Aye. That, that Aye. he's like, oh, he is. He realized that the honor that he thought he was chasing is essentially an empty. Yeah, Not as you said, a really. social construct. Yeah. And no one's really doing yeah. it, so now you got to figure out your own way. And yeah. then he does a coup later, but he also does a terrorism at the brothel planet. So it's a question of. Like,
1: <laughs> But they act like they do. Like, even though they don't actually do it, you know? It's like certain countries where uh, alcohol is illegal, but all the people that run the country still drink. It's like that. I'm not going to name any particular countries, but, you know.
0: And we'd have to beep them out if you did. (laughs) So, no, it is a wild sort of... I don't know. The more you emphasize family, it strikes me often that the worse your relationship to it can be. I find that's often a very, at least an odd paradox that we don't, that I'm working on how to connect a Star Trek in my brain, but let's go with through that sort of disparity between the lived experience and the ideal that you see. I mean, in dealing with Starfleet, right? And in dealing with Worf, his journey towards honor and Starfleet's internal and sort of personal reckoning with, oh yeah, we got some bad morals around here that are willing to very much do a genocide if you want. Oh no, they're going to do it never mind not if you want do it and finding a way to figure out how to make that work i don't know how to navigate this sort of ultimately personal space
1: like i would have been interested to see if there were any like thinking about political divisions i'd be interested to have seen a storyline where somebody joined the maquis and we got to see their family grappling with that you know
2: uh this would have to be kind of early in the era of the maquis because they were i mean i remember watching that as a kid and my mom was really more into star trek than i was remembering how seriously they took the maquis when they debuted and then as the show went on they were just like you would have to remind people that you were even oh and i'm the maquis you know and we've got our own little weird cultural thing oh yeah i forgot about that that was from like last season
0: yeah. No, they take a protectorate kind of view, like, oh, we can't let them get murdered by the Cardassians. Is really the the te- from like a real threat to, oh, we got to make sure these up these little upstarts don't get themselves in too much trouble.
1: I actually, I literally just watched this episode on, or it's a two-parter called the Maquis in uh, Deep Space Nine, and like, there's a very good reason why they took them very seriously. Their introduction to the show was blowing up a Cardassian freighter. <laughs> like their entrance onto the scene was an act of actual terrorism. So. You get it. But no, I like I know that several times they have discussions about like whether or not people kind of sympathize with the viewpoint. At one point, O'Brien, Mr. Working Class himself, says that he thinks that they have some valid points and he sympathizes with them. And it'd be interesting to see if there was ever a storyline where they uh, I don't know if they ever did like a short film or whatever, you know, some kind of storyline that shows a political divide within a family like that.
0: You kind of see it in the way that uh, Cisco and Jake's break on whether Jake is going to join Starfleet. But mm. Cisco ends up being extremely supportive of this decision for the most yeah. part, despite some disappointment. He's like, no, dude, I, I love you. You're, I'm the best father on television right now. I have to support this decision.
1: I'll tell you who's got some, like, really rigid and very bizarre family customs. That's the Cardassians. Because the Cardassians are supposed to be all about family, big on loyalty, like, do anything for their kids. But at the same time, like, they would sooner, like, leave their own children behind to pretend that they were orphaned than to, like, accept the, the public. I don't know. It's There's, like, a whole public association with uh, having having kids that you're not supposed to have, like golducott has that daughter as a uh, Zial and you know that's a dishonor
0: because she was i think mad. that was forbidden for a different reason but yeah well, no i mean it's still fair
1: yes because she was half bajoran but it's implied that it's because she was out of wedlock specifically like he had a wife and other kids and like, the, the fact that you can become you can lose your job and which actually this kind of tracks with The U.S. military, honestly. I I don't know how much they still enforce it, but for a long time, like, if somebody cheated on their wife and had a kid or whatever, like, you could actually get, like, stripped of a rank or get, you know, get in some kind of trouble with the military for that. It was, um, like, a weird kind of enforcement thing. But I don't know, like, this idea that you can lose your job and lose your whole social standing and become completely ostracized because of your wife leaves you because you're a dick, you know, that's just weird to me. And now
0: that's her fault, conveniently, for culture, right? Yeah. Right. Well, the way we do these is very much, I mean, the taking the economics out of families is, I don't know if that's the right way to approach it, but I know that there is the documented sort of rise in sort of use of the nuclear family to create independent economic units where there were not necessarily split ones like the idea of like oh if your uncle owns a ladder and you know him you don't have to own a ladder you can just call him have him come by with your ladder or with the ladder and that really isn't it doesn't encourage the sale of ladders right um and this atomization <laughs> might not be a, an intended effect but it is certainly there is some documentation of using it as an intended effect but in other situations it seems to be a product of the way we're living right and finding a way to reintroduce space for those relationships which i mean that's all Also, just fewer hours working a week because that's when you. The other time you would spend hanging out with your family if you liked them, which everyone going back to your wanted to go back to your office. You don't. I know you don't like your family, but it's fine. I think they're fine. Yeah, they're probably not. They probably your kids might suck. I I can't answer for that.
1: I'd be really interested to see how, see more about the inner workings of Denobulan families because we, we know they're poly, we know that they have multiple spouses, but like do they all just live in like one gigantic house or do they split their time between multiple houses? That would be interesting to know. And if you had like a denobulin couple on, on a starship, like how does that work? You know? <laughs>
0: Well, they do run into Dr. Flox, who, like, his wife tries to fuck Trip, I believe is how that plot yeah. runs. But, like, she is just lives on a different starship doing a completely other thing. And they have, yeah, you know, it's like a network of dozens of people. And, like, she doesn't seem to live with any of them. And doesn't. Right. no one else is there to come hang out with them. And she, I guess, is married to a bunch of other people. Maybe they just don't know the word friend.
1: Yeah, like, like is, it, is, is that only after the kids are grown and the nest is empty? Or is, like, does that work when the kids are being raised? Like, do they raise them in shifts? Like, how does this work? I'd be really curious. That's why I wish Rachel was here to talk about this.
0: Welcome to Ismati 3, the Denobulin effect. No, that's, I don't <laughs> know that that's a thing. But I'm, I'm almost certain that this is addressed in the novels. If someone who knows a lot about them wants to come on and tell us all about Denobulin family life, we actually might welcome that. You might get a slideshow. We could figure something out.
3: I will be hunting for a
0: Denobulan romance novel to read for homework. I really like that. I love this segment. Um, so I, if you're happy to do it, then I'm happy to hear you tell me about it. We may have to um, dive into fanfic to get there. Well, they put out a lot of those novels, Amy. You might, you're might you probably going to find something.
1: I bet a Denobulan Thanksgiving would be absolutely crazy. Like, how many deranged uncles with bad politics would be there? <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't like how your your cousin's mixing with them earth folk. They stink.
2: (laughs) You believe that Gene Roddenberry didn't like this episode and uh, was like really against them doing it because he was like, these are conflicts that we won't have in the future. I, you know, watched this episode and I was like, this is uh, a kind of, I mean, this episode reminded me of something that you'd see on Netflix. You know, obviously it's got act breaks and things like that, but modern television, which is more structured like a novel, especially in comparison to- was very serialized storytelling uh, and very like wanting to do one-offs a
0: lot. We talk about that the difference between that and now a lot. Yeah, that's...
2: Yeah, you know, the Babylon 5 era to now. This is the kind of episode that you'd have now, which is, you know, we've had something climactic has happened and then it's just character development because there's not the story of space and the Borg and all that other stuff. just takes a breather and there's recovery. There's how are we going to recover? Where are we Going to recover. Narratives often take for granted that the thing that a person should do in the face of a conflict or a trauma is to get back on the horse and go and finish whatever story the viewer has signed up to see. I think it's right. kind of interesting to take a, for for a character to take a breath and say, Hey, maybe I'm better off going back to my real job on a boat since I've been forcibly converted by some weird hostile bioorganic technology. Maybe I should just get away from that and go back to my real life. And we know that he's not really going to do it, but it's it's nice to see a character at least like think about the ramifications of doing that and i think the show took the idea of picard retiring or leaving or transferring with maybe a little bit more seriousness and dignity than most tv shows would that would maybe be more impatient like a movie to just get our character back into the action and back doing what they were are being paid to do by us
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it was a good moment for him to stop. It's only come up a couple of other times, a little bit more in Picard the series, but it only came up a couple more times in TNG, like the lasting trauma that he had from that experience. And this episode is the only time they really grapple with what was done to him or reflect on his recovery from that trauma. So I think it's really important that they take a breath and like, I'm sorry, Jean, I'm usually on board with Jean's critiques of um, production choices that are made because most of the bad ones are made by Rick Berman. But in this one, I think I got to disagree. I think this is a really solid episode. It's actually one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek.
2: We're never going to evolve beyond being mad at our siblings. Um, no, never,
1: like, family's always going to be family. Yeah.
2: No, yeah, you're never going to evolve beyond missing your family when they go across the world or across the solar system or whatever it's going to be. You're never going to evolve beyond, you know, wanting to live up to your parents.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, it,
2: it just, it was a very, and, you know, sci-fi often says, oh, it's really about the human condition. Science fiction just loves to do it. But the, here was an episode that was extremely directly about the human condition and, uh Uh, I think it benefited from that.
1: Well, and there's another aspect of this episode that we haven't touched on yet and that is Wesley getting to meet his father in holographic form. That was really moving because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people like to shit on Wesley. I love him. I think he's a great character and I think the uh, the actor is is wonderful. I think he got misused by the writers in a bunch of different ways, but I think, you know, he he as a young actor brought a lot to the role and uh, and it really showcased in this particular episode. It was obviously very emotional for him to, you know, see this very personal message from his father and his father even like in the holographic recording is like you know I don't know where you're going to be when you see this I'm, I'm hoping that you know maybe you'll follow me in, in my footsteps and you'll be wearing a uniform like this and Wesley like starts tugging on his uniform and there's like a whole thing and of course he ends up in we know later he goes down a very different path but we wouldn't have really been able to appreciate the the weight of that decision of him dropping out of the academy and going off to become a warp lord as uh, Paul is, has described or warp god as Paul has described him we wouldn't have felt the weight of that Decision as much if it was only about his relationship with his mother. It's this idea of having to, like, I mean, I, I was fortunate to grow up with both parents, but I can only imagine what it's like to constantly be evaluating your life against a parent that you never got to know and wondering if you're living up to and honoring their memory. That's got to be heavy.
0: I think one of the other times they unpack that reasonably well is, and I think this is like got big stepdad energy, is when West Crusher yells at Picard about killing his dad.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's one.
0: like, I think it's what the, there's a, there's an episode where a child loses his family and then he starts to emulate data, I believe, is like, to like oh, an emotionless robot. This is a relatable and like way preferable condition to my experiencing and dealing with my recent trauma event. And ultimately, yeah, but Wes comes in and gives him like, hey, yeah, yeah, I am was super pissed at Picard for like a long time for killing my dad. You know, maybe yeah. not literally, but he was angry about that outcome, which was ultimately not necessarily Picard's fault, but that anger still resides. And like that had big stepdad energy for me despite not really having that bad of a transition and sort of problem in terms of that experience but it was like oh right yeah no I do have there is some underlying shit here I am still a little mad about this aren't I whoops kind of shoving it down like what because it's not profitable to pursue at points right sometimes like oh hey what am I gonna do then scream at someone who still owns the house I live in for no rent fuck I gotta let this fester and just like come back to it later maybe do some soft estrangement which is when you just don't call him or talk to him you don't make a scene about it you just don't it's way easier Gang, let him fade off into the distance so that as brandon said earlier relationships change and your priorities and interests change and you can just let that happen no need to make a fuss absolutely i've tried to force relationships
3: with family members that they aren't prepared to meet me where i'm at. you know it's not like it's nothing transphobic y'all it's just you know like they're not willing to meet me where i'm wanting to be as far as family so it's mm. it hasn't happened and you know you just gotta kind of let that happen let that be you know
1: the other episode that comes to mind thinking about big stepdad energy with wesley and picard in particular is the episode where they get crashed on that planet with that um that other it's he's not like a freighter like that but they, they get crashed on a planet and they're they're stuck in a cave and Picard is injured and Wesley's trying to take care of him and Wesley was supposed to be getting like transported to go start at the academy or something and you remember that episode? And there's a the whole conversation about how he Wesley said, I, I just want you to be proud of me and then Picard tells him at the end, I, I've always been proud of you. Oh, that was good.
0: Yeah, that's a that's that's like really coming. It's clutch it's that clutch like, Oh, I actually can deliver on being an adult even a little bit, even when we're <laughs> off in the cave, yeah. Yeah.
1: I actually think Uh, like if Picard found himself in a relationship where he was legitimately a stepdad, I think he would have been a great stepdad. I think he would have, he would have leaned into it and he would have figured it out. I think his whole, like, I'm not good with children thing was just a shtick to like maintain his, his bachelor status.
0: Also, it keeps you from having to deal with a bunch of extraneous bullshit that should technically be someone else's fucking job because you're in charge of the giant daycare slash weapons platform slash freighter. (laughs) Maybe that you pay several people who wear fewer pips than you. Hey, slash rideshare. Slash rideshare. Sorry, sorry, slash (laughs) rideshare. Like, I'm sorry, I need to get to the other side of the galaxy for this conference. Can you, like, hurry? Um... (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's less of like the Uber kind of ride share and more like the like 10 years ago, I'm trying to get to a festival downstate. Can you hook me up with some friends of friends hey man, on Facebook? There's this <laughs>
0: warp conference at Deep Space 3 and we just, oh, we got all of this dilithium. You want to snort it? Don't snort the dilithium, it gives you super cancer.
1: Can we talk a little bit about the family that we choose like I think about Voyager Whoa. especially a lot. So there's a couple of different thoughts come come to mind here. Obviously we've we've ripped on uh, tech companies that talk about like, know we we're a family here. <laughs> you know, your employer. And we'll is not your family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your your employer is not your family. But in, in the case of Voyager, I mean and this does happen, you know, speaking as someone who's worked in war zones, this does happen when you're working in extremely close quarters, when you're living and working with the same people twenty four seven and you're also consistently having having your life put in peril, you do form very close familial type bonds, but it is still ultimately an employer-employee relationship at the end of the day. But there are some specific relationships that form, and I'm thinking here of Neelix and him becoming a godfather to uh, Samantha's daughter the you know old bumpy naomi yeah him becoming a godfather to naomi you know naomi weidman i mean she's you know there's there's her and then there's there's uh seven being kind of coerced into looking after the borg kids and developing a very maternal relationship with them um or at least big sister if not maternal let's Um, put a pin in
0: borg kids i would like to come back to that later pardon the pin borg pinning Putting pins in board kids though.
1: <laughs> right. But no, like those are um, those are definitely like family that you choose kind of thing. And that's also where Neelix's story ends up. I mean, he ends up leaving the ship to stay on that Talaxian colony where he basically gets with a a widow and her kid and you know, he does great. He does great there, and his role, his nurturing role, is really important in making sure that Naomi is feels safe and loved and treasured. And you know, I think he would have been great with even more kids being born. But thankfully, uh, Janeway came back in time and got them home faster.
0: See, it just goes to show, violating the temporal prime directive is a form of birth control.
1: <laughs> time travel is good, actually. Official position of gay space cast.
0: I just want to jump back to the Borg kids for a moment because you also get a storyline out of the eldest there who became the one that became a weird conservative in the interim oopsies that his parents junked him off into a Borg cube with a virus built into him his cube crashed because he is full of Borg poison and they engineered him with this express purpose to get him back to Unimatrix Zero and so his creation and his existence is entirely that of a bioweapon and they're like, cool and they huck him back into space and hope the Borg catch him again because that's just kind of the deal they have. Apparently, you could just make a deal with the Borg. I don't know. But yeah, the Talk idea. About yeah. toxic family. <laughs> yeah, they made you to kill their enemies and then when you get they get you back you throw him back into the woods like uh, so much well Oedipus is probably wrong but Oedipus he got thrown into the woods and i think that's a very this is that being a let's call it a surprise child you know that you have impacted your parents' lives in ways that they don't necessarily hate or resent but it is definitely like this is not what you had planned and having the like having him show back up they're really like oh cool great we are so glad you brought our son back Thank you because they never I mean I don't know that is something that struck me is just a very weird thing and it, it interestingly explored by them in this sci-fi sort of fashion of the unwanted sort of cast out child
1: well so like if you've ever if you've experienced this yourself if you're listening or if you know somebody like I, I definitely have friends that fall into this category who have had to cut off all contact with their families because of how toxic those relationships are and then the family that they choose becomes just immensely as important or more important to them than any kind of blood bond might be I and mean, that's that's exactly the dynamic that each has with seven
3: yeah and you know heading into the holidays you know this can be a tough time for people so just want to say you know if you're not in contact with your family i'm your mommy
0: now again that's a separate patreon only level of content <laughs> amy's your mommy now it's right up there <laughs> with asmr gardening at the top of the list alphabetically also in listenership
1: I will forever volunteer to be uh, the cool, irreverent aunt who shows up with great presents and teaches you how to cuss and basically how to break all the rules. That's my job.
0: Hell yeah. I'm the uncle that will come get you out of jail, no questions asked.
1: Perfect. See, this is a family that you should choose because we're cool as hell.
0: (laughs) Well, so... It's about time for us to kick around our general purpose game segment because we try and leave on funny stuff because, you know, otherwise it's just a sad show about our family trauma and the coming dystopia. While we try and imagine a better future where you can just have as many kids as you want and run around the galaxy having them without really having to suffer a huge amount of economic or otherwise consequences and you're not pinned to your family for support and have other ways that you could live your life absent that network of forced connections maybe find yourself or your own connections you want to live in and that brings us to the game which is pick your starfleet daddy i mean yeah let's 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 build you a family of starfleets and because we've played worse dad i don't necessarily need to see like a daddy but i want to see who 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 would you like to have had raise you because the other the other question could have been who would you pair to raise you and have you come out the way it is which seems like it's going to be harder than you'd hope for so who would you like to yeah. have raised you in the starfleet universe i'm willing to go we'll say we're violating the temporal prime directive because that's fun and you can take from whatever series you like i don't want to bar any canonical existing relationships because blended families only baby <laughs> oh damn well i was just gonna say Worf's parents
2: oh, like, I, feel yeah. like if
3: I, I feel like they would be perfect if i wanted to transition yeah. in high school they would turn into the most like enthusiastic supporters of that ever
0: I mean, I think Julian Bashir's parents would actually be the most supportive because they have a history of genetically altering their children before, you know, in ways that were necessarily not necessarily approved of by society. So you could, like, yeah, there, there you're, there, you're in. Like,
1: it comes with extra baggage, though. Oh, sure, no, it doesn't. Yeah, seem I
0: could great. drop all the weird medicalist language
3: and just be like, yep, yeah, yeah, folks, I'm gonna biohack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 no i i think that's a solid choice amy i think uh Worf's parents would be incredibly supportive uh they're just lovely people
0: and the judges are telling me that that's allowed because Worf is indeed a member of is a member of that family so you're you're full in
1: for me I, I I think I gotta go with Cisco like Cisco to me is still and I know Paul you and I've had this uh, this argument about whether or not Cisco is a, a good dad because of how the show ended but I think Cisco is a great dad and I think he would be a great father I would pick Cisco
2: I was actually gonna jump in before you guys all did that and disqualify Cisco because he's I think he's ah. too good of a, a I think he's too obviously good of a dad I think we would all agree on Cisco yeah. being so I think we should all pick someone else besides Cisco okay fine. yeah the
3: only reason fine. you don't pick cisco is because i was thinking i don't really want to get raised in a war
0: zone
1: ah <laughs> uh, all right that's fair well,
0: that's your fair dad, your dad left to be space messiah he left you this dollhouse.
2: <laughs> so so who, who else who else we got
0: All right, so I'm just going to do it. I want Ahura, and I'm going to go full on TOS. I want the Ahura-Scotty relationship that was teased in the beginning of Star Trek 5 (laughs) when she shows up and gives him a little bag of crinkly whatever, when he's like, oh, I know we were going on a date, but I had to fix all the whatever bullshit. And she just shows up like, I know, and that's why I love you. And they have a little bag of space snacks on the bridge. I'm very here for that relationship and much prefer it to the Spock Ahura ship that seems to have gone forward and a lot of the uh in terms of like the the kelvin universe and i think elsewhere yeah
3: is it shipping if it's part of the fucking canon <laughs>
0: Well, it's not, it's not, in fact, part of the can That they just hang out is kind of the uh, is the scene, but it is only sort of poked and hinted at. But I'm also going to say, fine, I'll take seven of nine and data. Um, so
1: are we picking two parents? I thought we were only picking dads.
0: I mean, you can pick who. I, I was going to give you a whole, I was offering leeway in terms of blended families. So I was going to give you as many parents as you feel like you need. You could be raised by the DS9 polycule if that's what you feel is necessary to contain you and shape you properly.
3: I mean, based on my experience in high school, I think maybe several parents would have been a great idea.
0: Again, the nuclear family is a really recent build in addition to society. It's not how most people have lived for most of their lives. And it's weird that we do it so hard like this.
1: So are you saying that you're disqualifying existing family units so Miles and Keiko would be disqualified? Because well, they're great only, parents, too. Only,
0: well, I mean, they are great parents.
1: I don't know. Are they great parents? I think they are.
0: I think they're a strong relationship. I don't know if they're great parents. Cause like I their child are. gets subjected to terrifying shit all the time. Like, okay, so here you're the daughter of these people, and one day it's like, okay, so your daddy's been replaced with some kind of crazy fucked up murder replicant that may kill you. So you have <laughs> you cannot talk to that man who looks and is just like your dad, and it, we reveal <laughs> later is definitely is a murder robot. Even though we've been experiencing the episode from his point of view, so it seems like everyone's going paranoid on him. That's a thing that just happened to her one fucking day. Then she got thrown into a time. Hole and then drug back out this is all va- like this is a rough light like they know it's the, same. It's the no. same thing as
3: cisco like great great person fantastic person but not choosing the best environment for children you know that's it
0: it's not necessarily bad bad it's bad choice of situation
1: he does he does send keiko and the kids off a good bit when things are going down yeah. so you gotta give him that
0: I
2: I don't have really great answers for this, only because it seems like every Star Trek character is either a bad parent or has bad parents. There aren't a lot of, I can't think of many healthy parental relationships in Star Trek. And as I was sitting here thinking, my pick, Captain Archer from Enterprise who he had that dog and he was really (laughs) nice to the dog. Now I don't remember the show super well because there was a lot of time travel stuff going on. They were trying to introduce suspense because you know the show was a prequel so they needed to tease that they might mess with the timeline and I didn't watch the show enough to know how much they messed with
0: it. There's the greatest goddamn line where he just looks right at he's like giving a speech like if only there was some kind of rule or directive that could govern my in my actions in this situation i would follow it but there isn't and like oh yes I, okay just say you're gonna right. do whatever like
1: if we're gonna violate the temporal prime directive then i've got a pairing that i would love to see that hasn't come up yet in, in any of our episodes and that is flocks and loxana
0: <laughs> shit all right would that and would that be just like i feel like between your dad being a weird zookeeper. Pr- guy with my animal rescuer
1: that works for me
0: and luxana troy the world's most manipulative catty old lady you are going to come out of that emotionally damaged in ways that i will probably find very amusing
1: i'm going to know how to have fun and i'm going to value the life of animals and lesser creatures so that i want to help everybody yeah i think that's i'm coming out of that great
3: and you can go through life knowing that your mother fucked q
1: exactly Exactly. and almost odo I, L- luxana and flox would be a great pair
0: i i agree i yeah i think that's you're going to be a fun kid let's get you set up in the time hopper i think the uh i think the one we'll never see is michael burnham's parents of course from discovery Well, we see a little of that but mostly they deserve to die and then show up as a mcguffin and then die again that being said she doesn't die it's a becomes...
1: weird family relationship i mean you know talk and about then she like... shows up
0: and then she's a truth ninja
1: Right. I mean, like talk about being separated by distance, like they're separated by the space time continuum. It's crazy. And still still comes out with like a toxic relationship on the other side of that. It's weird.
0: well they all i think that is one of the things that star trek does show us is that even in the future family relationships can still be toxic like Mm -hmm. gene didn't like interpersonal conflict in the way that we see in family but you definitely do not you never really see a lot of great relationships with dads and in general with family like look at uh, admiral Riker, who had to put on a special outfit to get beat up by his dad (laughs) or uh, but he turned out to be a great
1: dad so shitty dad, if you had a shitty dad, you turn out to be a pretty good dad. So I bet Andrew would be a great dad. Or so not, not Andrew, Alexander. Alexander would be a great oh, dad. He's
0: definitely going to, that is the most accepting father you could possibly have. So I think I'm going to rewrite my, I'm going to, yeah, wipe my answer from the board and write, yeah, Alexander Roshenko is the kid for me. Thanks. <laughs> um all right well that's about all the time we have for family today wait did we get uh, brandon's taking less time oh brandon yeah
2: i'm i'm picking i'm picking the dog oh yeah yeah
0: archer I, right right archer. yeah jonathan archer the most paternal of any of them i feel yeah. like
3: archer is the kind of guy that would take an 18 year break to actually like provide a good environment for children <laughs>
0: It's like, hey, you know what? Because we have extended lifespans because of medicine and stuff, and because most of this work can be done by an old person in a chair, I'm going to go raise my kid on, I don't know, somewhere cool. Uh, well, that yeah. So having having reached the conclusion of this family reunion, um, it leaves us only to throw out some plugs and things. Uh, we'll take ours, and then we'll give Brandon the space to say the names of things he's liking and doing. But we're, I'm at hashtag subtext on Twitter, and we are at gayspacecast on Twitter, and you already know where to get the podcast. You're listening to it. There's other plugs. We'll figure it out. The Not Safer Wonks Empire still exists.
2: Yeah, the Empire still exists. I've got no plugs because I'm constantly working on stuff, but none of it is quite ready for the public. We're revamping the website. We're doing some nonprofit stuff. We're just do- I'm, we're just doing a lot and you'll see it in the weeks come building infrastructure all the time.
1: Brandon, you and I need to talk because I'm working on another show too and I'll, I need to get you on. It'd be fun.
2: Sounds good. I'll be right there.
1: Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at CM Archibald, and I'm obviously, in addition to this show, I'm, I'm working on another show. It hasn't started coming out yet, but I'll, I'll be ready to plug that when it hits the air.
3: I've been Amelia Rosette Hassel, and that'll be A hassle on Twitter, which is two S's and four A's. Um,
0: figure it out. Love y'all. All right. Thanks, everybody. Space the Rich, everybody. Space the Rich. Ahoy, intrepid explorers! Uh, Unfortunately, this is our last release of the season. You will not be hearing us discussing the new Dune with Brandon until after whatever Earth holidays you choose to celebrate during the turning over of the year. In the meantime, we'll be working on some sweet Season 2 content. We're going to launch our Patreon, get some exclusive content up there. We're going to raise some money to pay Ren, our very gracious producer who listens to all of this, including the parts that are boring that we don't make you listen to. Ren listens to those. Anyway, we appreciate it. And that's why we're, you know, keeping an eye out for our, uh, I believe it's a GoFundMe, but we'll figure out exactly which mechanism we'll be using. You'll be hearing about it through our Twitter, and there'll be a link in the show notes. Or, if not, you'll figure it out. We did also just get a website. Keep an eye out for that. It's spacetherich.com, which, kudos to Corey for picking that one up on the fly. And, of course, we are going to be doing a holiday drop for that Patreon, which is, of course, Star Trek The Motion Picture A Christmas Movie, which is where I, the Paul Byron, convince my co-hosts that Star Trek The Motion Picture is in fact a Christmas movie, both thematically and ultimately all over in content. It's a giant trifecta of arguments that flow together into the very end with the unification of God and man, the creator and created, sharing knowledge and having sex with each other. That being said, like the son of God, we hope that you will kill us. Wait, nope, 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 let's back up. We really hope that you will catch up with us next year, and we hope you'll be keeping an eye on the main feed. We'll be dropping some of those Patreon goodies, little teasers and otherwise and if you're very very gracious guests and we get enough people together we might just drop the motion picture a christmas movie thing as a regular drop to torture your family with we'll find out you'll know later anyway space the rich y'all